0: Welcome to the Everyday Millionaire Show with Ryan Greenberg and Nick Calvis. Hey guys, before we get to this episode of the Everyday Millionaire Show, we have to thank our sponsors. One, National Lumber, is your Maryland local building supplier. They supply everything from doors, windows, trim, lumber, you name it, they will get it. If you're a builder, contractor, investor, do yourself a favor, go get yourself an account. With National Lumber, you'll have an account manager who's very knowledgeable in their field. They'll help you do takeoffs. They'll help you order finishes. Um, Pretty much you name it, they got it. Head over to National Lumber on Pulaski Highway in Baltimore City and get yourself some uh, some building material. Our second sponsor is Trias Lending Partners. Trias is a Maryland local real estate investing lending company. So they are lending money to real estate investors. If you are somebody that's listening to the show that doesn't understand how people raise money for real estate ventures, such as buying rental properties or flipping houses, this is your answer. Trias. Trias Lending is the solution. They fund everything from your short-term buy-renovate-rent product to your long-term 30-year fixed DSCR, debt service loan. Uh, you name it, they can help you out. If you are a new real estate investor or somebody that's seasoned and ready to buy their 50th door, contact Trias Lending Partners for any of your real estate investing needs. All right, guys. Welcome back. We're here with uh, Robert Chavez. That's right. That right. I practiced that four or five times there. <laughs> um, we met Robert down in the lobby at BPCon. Robert is a um, Virginia investor and realtor. Um, has some impressive stuff that he's doing. So Rob, thanks for coming on the show.
1: Hey guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah. Thanks. We have this improv two uh, room set up that we, we snuck in here hoping that we don't get kicked out. Oh
1: dude, this is great.
0: Yeah. Got all this <laughs> stuff set up and hopefully nobody kicks us out of here. So, um, so Rob, tell us a little bit about yourself and your, your background and kind of how you got started.
1: Sure. So, um, really started kind of very traditional, like most people do house hack to house in 1998 right? And uh, I had started a rec- recruiting business with my best friend, made a little bit of money during that 99, 2000 time frame as a recruiter, placing technical salespeople. And uh, I fell in love with real estate, like red, rich dad, poor dad, like so many of us mm-hmm. and was like, huh, okay, that maybe there's a different way to skin this cat. And uh, I ran the business with him from, from 2000 and uh, I'm sorry, from 1998 to 2005. And I'd been buying real estate along that Whole time, um, we went through the dot com boom bust, but it was real estate that kind of kept us going. Because in two thousand, the real estate prices right were just like mm-hmm. skyrocketing. So if I needed some extra cash, I just sell a house, and that was that. I just mm-hmm. kind of fell in love with, with with the business. And so in 05, I just turned to him one day and said, "Hey, just buy me out, right? I'm I'm still productive in this business, but I'm not in love with it." And I'm in love with the real estate. <laughs> I was like leaving him, right? Like good friend of mine. So um, jumped in summer of 2005. Best timing ever, right? <laughs> Jeez.
0: So how, how did that affect? How did the 08 uh, thing affect you and your business?
1: You know, luckily enough, because i'd I had survived a like pretty bad technical recession, right? Like in the tech tech bubble imploded, so I knew what it felt like. So in 2005, 2006, I started looking at submarkets um, outside of Northern Virginia, because the numbers just didn't make sense to me. I said, can I find a market where it's just more of a cash flow market? It didn't experience the same boom and bust that mm-hmm. other markets did. And so I did. I found a little town a couple hours away from where I lived, started buying property in that town. And what was interesting was that that, mar- that market lagged our market by about two years. So while the market in Nova was starting to soften in like the summer of 05 is when I felt it, and 06 and 07, that market was appreciating. And so we got lucky, right? Part of it was just luck. And then when the market crashed in 2008, we saw a big buying opportunity because everything in our market was 50% off. Right. And I just turned to a friend of mine and, who had a lot of cash. I said, hey, these things peaked at 350 they're at a buck seventy-five. Rents are fifteen hundred bucks a month. If they get to fit, you know, a buck fifty, that's kind of the one percent rule. I don't know right. if I've ever seen that in Nova ever, right? right? And when they get to a dollar fifty, you know, buck fifty, we should we should think about buying. And, and so they did. They went to one fifty, then one forty, one thirty-five. And so we just kind of dollar cost averaged houses. I think the lowest we got was like townhouse for one hundred and ten, right?
0: At that time, were you an agent yet?
1: Um, I had gotten my license purely to, to get referral fees. That was it. My brain wasn't thinking being an agent.
2: Yeah. And also when you bought your properties back then, what did the management look like? And did you do renovations to those properties or were yes. they turnkey?
1: No, no, They all required work. Right. Um, it was, our model was you put 10 to 15 in, right? You kind of fix what's broken. You paint it, new carpet, and, um, i managed the contractors. I found the tenants and the, the deal with this guy was I put no money in, like I found the deals, mm-hmm. he funded all of them. So my, my piece of the equation was doing the work, mm-hmm. right? He had a lot of cash and he said, if you find these deals, I'll fund them. And then what we'll do is we'll refi the money back out. So I didn't know, you know, that's the burr strategy, yeah. but I didn't, I didn't, it not We weren't calling it the burst strategy then. Just cash out, refi.
2: What struggles did you face when you were doing that originally?
1: I think the biggest was um, not so much a struggle, but just you looked around and you were wondering if you were doing the right thing because everybody else was panicking. Right. And so. We dipped our toe into it and we were buying like one a month. And when I look back now, of course, hindsight, I'm like, we should have bought 10 a month, yeah. 100 a month, right? Um, but we, we um, you know, we were just looking around. Every sign was a foreclosure or a short sale. And, yeah. you know, we we're just like, we we're just being cautious.
0: So at that time you were just using somebody else's private money and you were funding 100% of the purchase and the renovation and then yeah. refinancing later on
1: his money back out. And then we, and we split everything 50, 50. So we split ownership 50, 50.
0: That's like, so that's a perfect way to build a partnership. Somebody that has money that doesn't necessarily want to be the one out there managing contractors running around and managing tenants or whatever. And, and you, you know, you didn't have the money, but you had the hustle and you started, you know, just doing an active part of that business and you got 50% equity and, and you didn't have any money.
1: It was a beautiful thing. And, you know, it was all of that experience in that sub market that I, I kind of learned and felt comfortable in that process because my wife and I were, were doing about 20 to 25 houses a year between like 2005, 2006, 2007. Mm-hmm. So I felt very comfortable working with contractors. And, you know, we made a lot of mistakes along the way. I've got a ton,
0: so fast ton forward, of fast So fast forward to now. Um, your, your team lead at Keller Williams. So how many agents do you have? What's the volume that you're doing? Yeah,
1: we will do a little, uh, little over 200 million in volume. Um, got around 22 agents, uh, 10, um, operational support staff. Um, we do expansion. So we actually run five teams. So the way our, our model works is we have HQ that sells no real estate, really supports through coaching, consulting, lead generation services, listing management, transaction management. And we've got five real estate teams. And the team leader is a m- majority of them, not, not all of them, but the majority of them are 50-50 business partners with me. So they get 50% of the profit of that entity. The other 50% comes to us. And it comes up to us as revenue with some servicing fees that are there. Then we also have a property management arm, a construction arm, title business. Um, And we talked a little bit about this offline. Like we're looking at the private lending space, right? Looking at that because we run grid. We run, you know, the grid network. which has been good to us.
0: All of those things that you just said, the property management, all this stuff, is that under, still under KW? Like, do they still have their hands on all of those businesses? Nope. Nope. Okay. So you're able to use your, their platform and build your other platforms off of that. And they, they're not taking anything. Off 100%.
1: That. That's right.
0: So okay. what is, what does Keller, Keller Williams get is just those fees that you were saying from your team.
1: Yeah. So we have a cap structure, a team cap structure, structure with KW. We pay them a certain amount. Once we pay that amount in a given year that we get a hundred percent after okay. that. Right. So we cap and, and because I've been with them since, you know, 15 years almost and, and we are big team within the system we we have a with my franchise owner because they're franchised um we have a good cap structure and it works for us it's a good win-win
2: was there like a year so you're doing 200 million now like was there a year that just like you just went from like 50 million to 100 million yeah kind of yeah. just steady growth over time no
1: no that there was um interesting you should ask that i remember looking and saying i think it was I'd have to go back and see for sure, but I think it was like twenty fourteen, somewhere around there. I saw a big jump, and it was like that it was like thirty million to hundred million, right? Oh, um, oh. It was it was a big w- jump.
0: What do you think? Why? Why do you think that happened in one year?
1: I think belief was probably one of them. I, I got to a point where it's like, hey, if that person could do it, I could do it, <laughs> right? Uh, training, consulting. Um, seeking knowledge from people that had already already done it. And, and then learning that, um, you can't build anything successfully on your own. You, you need a team of people around you, right? Success through people as opposed to trying to do it 100% yourself.
2: So going from that 30 million to 100 million, did you make a lot of hires during that year?
1: Yeah, I made a lot of hires. Um, not a ton of hires. Probably I should have. I look back now, and I now understand that this is a um, a, a talent development game that we're in. I didn't really think of it that way uh, early on. It was like, oh, okay, we have these excess leads, and I need to give these leads to agents, and and so I brought on agents to help service mm-hmm. clients according to our system standards and models. Um, but I didn't. I didn't hire enough. But I did. I hired more than I had done before. One hundred percent. And then it wasn't until a, a few years later that I was like, why we, we really need to go bigger on this, right? Who are you and, I feel, and I feel like we're still tiny, right? Like there's monster teams out there right now.
0: So who are you doing. hiring at that time? Like are you hiring just more agents? Are you hiring support staff? And like what, is, what was that looking like for you?
1: Yeah, it was for a long time, it was just this basic small team of five to eight agents, and we're working on our systems and we're working on getting better as a team members, right? Like learning how to work with each other. So it was like that for some time, right? And then, um, I'd say maybe 2017, 2018, then we, we started bringing on more agents. And when you bring on more agents, your systems start breaking. And, and so we had to build out a better, like more robust operation system. Mm -hmm. And, um, luckily enough, you know, I, the CEO of our property management company, um, started with us, this is funny, started with us as an ISA when he was 18. He was horrible at it. (laughs) He was bad, but he came in every day, banged the phones with a smile, never complained. And then one day I just sat down with him and I said, Thomas, what's your superpower? He's like, I'm really good with numbers. I said, great. What do these numbers tell you? And he's like, you're making money here, you're losing money here. Like he analyzed all the data Mm -hmm. and I noticed that he was tracking data. And then because I saw that he was talented there, I just kept giving him more and more operational um, responsibilities Mm -hmm. and he just started building out a lot of systems using virtual assistants, using systems, using technology. And so I, I really believe that the reason we grew was because we started tracking a lot of these things. Like how many calls to an appointment? How many appointments in a given week, in a given month? Like what does that conversion look like for mm-hmm. you and for you? And, and, and then we started looking at what our year-over-year year growth started looking like, right? How many agents? What was the production? How many appointments? How many listings taken that month? So I can go back now, you know, and, and really I think the data is pretty good from 2016 to today, And I could see every month, year over year, what the growth was in some of those key KPIs for us. So was that,
2: I'm sorry to cut you off. Was that primarily why you mentioned the systems were breaking as you were bringing in new hires? Was that because of not tracking the numbers from the beginning?
1: Yeah, I think you, um, a couple of things, you start learning how to hold agents accountable through that process. Like I was having a discussion last night with some people saying the hardest part for most people is that in the beginning they are a producer and they're really good at producing. And and so then they started thinking they should build a team around them. But that's a different skill set, right? One is a lead generation BD person and you can get really, really good at that and make a ton of money and then never kind of graduate past that because the next leap is really a leadership piece. Right. And so you have to have leadership around what your operation system is going to look like. Everybody needs to follow those systems. Right. If they don't Mm -hmm. follow, what's the system if you don't follow it? Right. Right. So somebody's got to hold that accountable. They've got to believe in those systems. So for us, our systems were really basic in the beginning. And as we started adding more people, some of those systems broke. Like we wanted to do a 36 touch, like, you know, sending out um, electronic emails, and we didn't want it to come just directly from me. We wanted it to come so that it came from you and you, right? So that it was individually done. Well, that adds a layer of complexity. Most large teams will only send out one mass email to all of the database. Well, we believe that that relationship between you and the person is special, and we need to honor that. We wanted to promote you as the agent, which meant we wanted it to come from your email address. So that kind of system adds complexity as you grow. And we we added it.
0: Do you do you have a, um, like, what kind of agents are you looking for? Are you taking anybody that, that tries to interview with you guys? Like, what does your interview process look like? Sure. like a couple of weeks ago, we interviewed um, the leaders of the W Group, mm-hmm. who is a big real estate team. I think they're the biggest by volume in Maryland. And they're looking for just the top producing agents, like 10 million a year and more. Mm. What are your, like, policies for for new agents, because new agents take more work, you know, for, sure. for the team, for your admin staff, like, what do you have any kind of threshold?
1: In the beginning, I only wanted people that already had experience, because I was like, oh, I can't build somebody from the ground up, I don't want to show them how to open a lockbox, right, or how to write the contract. So I wanted somebody that had a year to a year, a minimum of year of like 100% on their own full time. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I wanted them to realize how hard it was. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And I wanted to see that they were overcomers, that they were willing to fight. Right. Like I, I wrestled D1 in college. I'm, I'm big the hiring athletes. I uh, I believe that athletes, and it's not just athletes, but anybody that has committed to a thing and then decided that they wanted to be good at that thing, that that's a skill set that they can now carry over into our business. And so I looked for people that had that kind of skill set and that internally they believe that they're champions and that they're willing to pay the price to become awesome at something because it's not easy. And so that's still what we look for today, right? I look for overcomers. I look for people that that are learners. We call it forward and, right, family first. So they got to culturally, like we filter everybody through what we call forward, right? Family first, own it. They got to be responsible. They got to own their stuff, right? Raving fan service. So they got to be high service oriented people. Work hard. Like, hey, there's no substitute for working hard. Just bottom line. Always be learning, results driven, do the right thing kind of people. And then what we're going to do is we're going to send them, we'll do an initial screen with my recruiting manager. She'll then, if she likes the screen, she'll send them the disc. She'll then go through the disc with them. We're normally looking for DIs or IDs. We've hired a lot of ISs. or we've gone outside. That's,
0: that's like a personality test. That's right. The, yeah.
1: yeah, the DISC, right? Okay. So dominant, uh, influencer, um, stable, or you know steady, um, and uh, compliant. See, right, DISC. And so, what we found from just hiring lots of people through the years is that yes, there there's been exceptions. Like you might have some ISs that work well within our model, but it's the exception. Normally they're DIs or IDs, they're drivers, right? Now this is our model because we're more of a, we're a balanced model where we want to supply 50% of the opportunities to you and and we want to teach you how to fish as well. There are some models out there that are, we're just going to supply you 100% with the appointments mm. and ISs probably work really well in that. They're great at servicing. They're, uh, you know, they, they love people. And, um, and if they have a high enough C, they're, they're going to pay attention to the details. But for us, we wanted to build partners. And so we needed hunters and we needed people that want to learn and grow and develop. And we want to teach people to build stuff, right? Like I don't want an agent to come on my team and be like, I want to be an agent for life. I want an agent to come on my team and then say, I want to build my own team. Because we built an expansion model that allows them to be able to build their own team, right? right. My 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 top expansion partner last year netted over seven hundred thousand as a producing owner. So he, you know, I was like, that's what I want, and then I want them to build to take that money, buy assets, to build wealth for for their family. And when I realized that the agent business is a cash flow business that creates, ca- you know, the opportunity for us to then either build more businesses or buy more assets, right? And that, that kind of became my model. And that's how I connected the agent and the investor business together.
2: Nice. So what are your, what are your goals now? Uh, now that you you know, you guys are doing 200 million. Do you have like a, you know, goal to get to 500 or.
1: You know, I think the biggest thing is I, I realize that I, I love um, building and I love building partners, right? Like I believe in partnerships so we want to have 200 partnerships all up and down bright. So we want to be the, the largest agent-owned like team up and down bright. And going deeper than that, we want our people to really build community with their people. right? So we want them to serve the client at a really, really high level. So if we can serve the client at a high level, get them what they want, teach them how to win in the real estate transaction and build wealth for their families, that's a win. And if I can help my agents become leaders, build businesses, that they can then open multiple offices. That's, that's a massive internal win for me. Like just like I get off on that. Mm -hmm. Right. That's what I love. So yeah. So 200, you know, 200 offices is, is the big, big vision for us. And you know, who knows how long that will take.
0: You said up and down Bright. What's the geographical oh,
1: So there's six so there's six states in, in Bright. So it's Maryland, Virginia, DC, West Virginia, Delaware, Pennsylvania. So I think I think that's seven. I okay. think that's it. I, so, I never knew that. Yeah. I knew big. that there was
0: other like MLSs in other places. I just didn't know where Bright exactly covered. Because I know I do see stuff when I'm searching on the MLS. I see stuff in like Philly all the time that yeah. comes up but I didn't know how far south or west or
1: huge and like that, like trillions of dollars. I mean, it's huge. Right.
2: So you also mentioned, I think before the show that you want to, you're going to start lending essentially. Is there a reason why you wouldn't want to just take that money and buy more real estate?
1: You know, we, that's a great question. We, um, because we run the grid network, we have a lot of different opportunity that comes to us, whether it's buying assets, whether it's lending, listings, buyers, all the rest, property management. And what I found is that, remember, I get I get satisfaction out of, out of developing partners. So when I find somebody in a space that I'm like, I want to be in business with that person, and I know that we can create leads and opportunity for that person, then I'm going to figure out a way to get them into my world. And so I've, I've identified somebody that I really like. And he's what I would call um, up and coming talent. So, I think there's an opportunity for us to build a really, really big business there. Right? Is
2: that is he a an agent or
1: no? No, no. He he's a lender right now. Okay, but he's a but he's a loan officer doing the traditional stuff, and he's an investor. And so I was like, listen, have you ever thought about lending? And then he approached me re- regarding lending.
0: So, are you thinking about like hard money lending or long term lending? hard money lending, hard money lending. Yeah. So short term funding flips and rentals and stuff like that. Yep. Awesome.
1: Yep. And that'll just be one of the additional pillars in the business.
0: Yeah. Well, Nick and I are always borrowing money from everybody. So maybe we'll, uh, (laughs) maybe we'll link up after, after this. Sounds good, Mm -hmm. man. All right. Well, Rob, thanks for coming on the show, man. We really appreciate all the the stuff you told us.
1: Hey, I appreciate it.
0: Yeah.